Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, mind and myth, right? And before we dive in, we're going to do a quick intro today. But if you would like to take a more in-depth approach to some of my thoughts, some of my psychedelic journeys, some of my dreams and some of my like early experiences in life that kind of were kind of those moments that made me go inwards more, my more personal experiences, check out the link in, my, in, in the podcast description. It goes to this newsletter feature I'm using on Substack and you know by also supporting the podcast and helping me pay my rent essentially. You can also get access to those and also there's also the, the free version of the newsletter as well. I think you should sign up for those. It keeps that kind of everything all organized. You keep up to date and get the written version of stuff and some written thoughts and and some extra goodies and, and stuff like that. But you can also just share the podcast with your friends, leave a rating and review on iTunes and you start pushing that more or, or an Apple podcast, I guess it's called now. Um, yeah, and all that good stuff. Join the Discord, check out my TikTok, <laughs> check out my YouTube. All those links are below. Um, but yeah, enough of my chit-chatting. Let's, uh, let's just enter the library. journey into the labyrinth that hopes to help you explore your consciousness and and leave you something to think about, you know, and thank you for being here with me for this. As many of you might know, I'm fascinated by our human desire for myth-making. As of late, I've enjoyed reading and rereading many of the works by Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung. Both were fascinated by our meaning-making mechanisms. But why am I bringing up our myth-making. Why, why do I think that's important? Well, for one, I think it's, it's, it's understanding this very human desire for myth-making that gets at the heart of how we integrate knowledge. It's a methodical way our psyche tries to, to make sense of our human existence. And damn, and, and damn can, can, can existence get confusing sometimes? We need to make sense of that thing for our, for our fucking sanity, right? The myths that make us are what create the unique perception of reality that each individual holds, okay? Okay, but, but my second reason for bringing this up today is I, I stumbled upon a, a beautifully written article on... Aeon, I think that's how you pronounce it. I've used this website so often and I feel bad if I mispronounce it or I just kind of feel dumb if I mispronounce it. Anyway, the link will be below so you can check that out and you can laugh at me if I completely fucked up the pronunciation. But anyway, it was titled Myth in the Mind by Rami Gabriel. Gee, I can't can't pronounce anything. Anyway, (laughs) I hope you can see how how my interest was piqued, especially for those, you know, that have been listening for a while. And listening to my content and seeing my motivations, I was at the ready to either sing the art that article praises or angrily hit that comment section. But luckily, I found myself in the former. It was a good piece. It was a good article. It was thought provoking. Although, if you go and read the article, it tries to put forward this idea that psychology can and is replacing myths. I disagree. 
to some extent. I think some people can make that their myth, but do I think it's going to like be this massive myth replacement? No, not really. But however, I like what the author who has a psychology background raised, what he raised about the importance of myth. Even with many prominent academic figures such as Campbell, you know, shedding light on our human myth-making mechanisms, many still view it as something for fairy tales. But you will not understand your mind if you only allow yourself to go that deep with understanding myth. Gabriel sums it up beautifully by saying, Today the term mythology connotes uncorroborated legend. But that's not entirely accurate. Mythology is really a set of beliefs betruced by practices or rituals that together console our desire for explanation. As the Roman theorist Mercia Iliad said, myth never quite disappears from the present world of the psyche. It only changes its aspect. You see, for me, it's that quote right there that hit me. I shouted alone in my office as I was reading this. I was like, yes, exactly. They, right there, that last quote, myth never quite disappears. Never. So you see, many, many of us want to believe that myth-making is something to be transcended, something primitive to evolve from. But I think it's our gift. It's something to be embraced. It's something that allows us to, to understand the earth and where we and, and, and our involvement with the earth and the universe and the cosmos, it, it allows us this and communication mechanisms. It's a whole ball of information. With connection, I'm also connecting that with myth and our consciousness and that type of thing. But if we want to understand our minds, create peace in our world, we must understand our myth-making mechanisms, enhance them, understand them, embrace them. Because belief is our guiding star. In the past, you know, organized religion was the guiding star. A system of beliefs that people in a community could rally around. When we look back, we see that. That art, music, and and perspectives on life. They were heavily influenced by the dominant religion of that area of that time. Which myths are we allowing to dominate now? Ask yourself this question for societal myths and, and then ask yourself personally that same question. It's an, it's an important question. No, the rituals and, and myths and, and quests we look to for perspectives on life are now in our films, our music, our and, and art. The myths of old are still present. They are now either replaced, influenced, or, or competing with modern myth. Our communication has evolved and with it, are creative ways to make people, you know, to, to, or to take people on their own unique journeys into creating their self-narrative, their story. It was the way to understand our psyche, or in more ancient terms, to understand our soul. And, and, and soul is a word that I used to scoff at. Oh, that's, that's a word for foolish religious people. Is it though? Like, is it really though? Or is it just a description of the the... You know, something something we feel within ourselves, the consciousness, our, our, our unique perception of our own consciousness, of us, that we want to understand. When we want to understand the inner workings of ourselves, the myths we move towards, we are looking to understand and shape our soul, in a sense. <laughs> 
So for me, I experienced this after watching a Christopher Nolan film, finding myself, you know, considering different perspectives on reality. I see this watching a David Lynch film with his use of surrealism, which leaves me questioning what is real. I feel this after a psychedelic journey that just took me deep into the depths of my own subconscious, feeding me a humbling experience of my own reality. I, I hear this during a Grateful Dead song that moves my emotions with sound like never before. I experience the bending of my own, own mind when I stare into a, 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 a Picasso painting. These are modern myths for me. These are the things helping me shape my own sense of self, my narrative, my consciousness, my understanding of my consciousness, my soul. When we embrace our own power of myth-making, we begin seeing beauty and mystery in the cosmos that we didn't notice before. And, and, there's, and there's an inner peace to be found in doing that, or at least I think. That's, that's just my opinion, I guess. But as Gabriel put it, it's an organized canon of beliefs that explains the state of the world. It also delivers an origin story such as the Hindu laws of Manu or the biblical creation story that creates a setting for how we experience the world. Close quote. Okay, so that's what it is. But I've also wondered, why do we do it? You know, why do we have this thing? Sure, it's helping form communities that work in unison. However, I can't help but feel there's a deeper layer, you know, as as a reason for uh, inward use of myth. I see it also as a method for dealing with our inner emotions from fear, joy, and, and anger. So to process her emotions and provide a more reflexive response when encountering stimuli in the world, when we feel we, we disagree with something, find ourselves uncomfortable or find ourselves angered by the news, it's our inner belief structures that create a reflexive emotional response to that input. But wait, but wait, beneath that layer is something else. What I enjoy calling the embrace of the void, to put it more simply though, It's a response to our embrace of doubt. We do some of this unconsciously. However, many of us have moments of doing it consciously where we dive into the depths of our mind and experience an uncertainty of our human experience. We begin forming beliefs from that place within ourselves, that void. From that place of doubt, we see how bendable the patterns are in our cosmos. And we we hope to create patterns to provide a, a structure of our own sanity. Gabriel also said in his article, mythology is the compendium <laughs> struggled that, word, that explains the world as symbols drawn from the lived reality of a people. We inhibit a ubiquitous system of symbols in which we are constantly challenged to find ourselves or to find patterns to believe in. Close, close quote. And he continued later, to believe is to passionately commit to a way of experiencing the world. Any given set of beliefs is real to anyone who shares it. Or, as Durkheim put it, no religions are false. All are true in their own fashion. Close quote. So, that place of doubt within ourselves is is something to always keep in the back of our mind. It keeps us curious. It helps prevent us from following dogma. And keeps anxiety at bay. This is why we need belief. And we create myths for those beliefs. 
And this line from, from Gabriel sparked some thoughts for me. I quote, it brought about a world where the space for religious belief became the space for opinion, political affiliation, and consumerism, close quote. So I have I asked myself many times the past few years, why are religions embracing political identities more than in the past? I mean, that's an observation of mine. I know there's data out there supporting that. But one might argue it's the advancement of technology and the use of the internet. I'm pers- somewhat persuaded by that. With these innovations, people had places to, to or have places to go that provide a, a bridges for cooperation. Thus, you essentially have combinations of people's myths. So they start operating together, forming their myths around each other to create a larger tent for their end group. However, this Gabriel piece made me recognize a new lens for thinking about this. I've always said that religion was replaced by science as a more accepted means for comprehending the workings, creation, and mysteries of the universe, which led to religion deciding to double down on their moral systems being proof of God's existence. So this has led to a conscious and subconscious recognition from those with strong strong religious leanings that political grounds are a frontier to have these moral battles. Whether we want to admit this or not, politics is a place where opinion runs rampant. With everyone thinking (laughs) they can just Google up the latest topic of discussion for 10 minutes and just be well-educated on the matter to express their opinion online, through voting and other forms of expression, as though they have this ultimate authority. So when we encounter areas that have less clear-cut structures of right, wrong, correct, and incorrect, organized religion finds its way to, to save the day. Oh, thank you for coming in and telling me what to believe when I didn't know where to go. It's a modern manifestation of the God of the gaps. Where places we have less certainty, religion wants to provide certainty for those human psyches out there, those souls that desire to be so. It wants to place itself into our belief structures where doubt heavily persists. persists. So, I guess my point is, although we must understand and, and to some extent embrace the power of myth, we must be mindful of the myths we latch on to. What are the myths you followed doing, you know, what are they doing to your emotions? What are you consuming that is helping frame the narrative you create for yourself? Is it making you curious or is it leaving you in fear? Are you processing your anxiety or is your myth making you feel ashamed of who you are? You know, so maybe the main point for expressing these thoughts is we shouldn't dismiss the use of mythology as something that should be transcended, cast aside as the workings of a primitive mind. We should probably move beyond the issue of replication in the study of psychology if we want psychology to replace it like the author wanted. But the relationship between the mind and brain is still largely a mystery. So when we don't understand a foundational relationship with the mechanism that creates beliefs and verifies reality, we could be dismissing a thinking mechanism before it's properly understood, which could have harmful effects in the long run. So we should look to understand myth. We are all trying to make sense of the foundational human ritual we are all facing. Death. (laughs) It's that simple. And myth-making might be essential for that human psyche to cope with that fact. 
you know, we see in the origins of myth, the ancient myth about the, the natural world from the, from the many gods, demons and monsters lurking throughout the cosmos, from the stars and into, into our earth. They held the power to shape meaning, understand life, create belief structures, and maintain a semblance of sanity for us. And we need that. We need some sense of sanity. The myths were, were never created for exactness. They were created in the creative space we all go into to express ourselves. The lack of exactness in the meaning structures allowed people to enter that creative space with their own chosen myth to hold their hand, a guide to their own psyche. As we move beyond ancient myths, people are finding those ancient guides and those religions still around today. And I'm asking you should look at many, not just one. You know, and and a lot of times those people are looking at those religions as less helpful for understanding their own psyche today. I'm not asserting this is right or wrong. I'm putting forward this is a belief structure that is spreading throughout society. We are all looking for guides to our own mind, whether that's science, psychology, neuroscience, history, and ancient traditions. It's a way to understand the psyche. So we must recognize what those myths we choose are doing for us. What we consume is what becomes our myth, and our myth becomes our guide to understanding our place here. Philosopher uh, Siren Kierkegaard has this wonderful quote. Life is a reality to be experienced, not a problem to be solved. Close quote. But this also provided me a, another thought. Do some myths work too well? You know? <laughs> if we accept that myths are the, the mental mechanisms we use to make sense of the unknown, where some of us desire certainty, could this desire for certainty be creating more and more toxic myths? This creation is enhanced by the, the protected echo chambers the internet provides. You know, uh, consider that when, when a newly established belief arises and, and we want to immediately start building a narrative around those assertions. From this, we become fearful of questioning the very ground we begin building the narrative upon. We don't want to. Because then, then you... It takes you to weird places sometimes. We all see the world differently. But the need for sanity leads us to desire a tether with the society we live in, with not only the society we live in, the world we live in, the tether to the, to the ground. It's a grounding. What does this mean, though? We want to find people to share in our beliefs, as without it, life can be cold and in a lonely place. Where your, your beliefs can come, become a structure of paranoia, leaving you to establish a bedrock of reality for yourself. You know, so when we begin creating reality, we retreat into the chambers with those that share in that identity, our antidote for the uncertainty we all face. This can make our interactions with our fellow humans all the more toxic. As we hold on to that identity we've chosen, we do this out of fear. We must doubt the myths we choose always. Because without it, you leave yourself open to becoming a sheep to be consumed by the wolves among us. But I'll leave you with, with a quote by Campbell and Jung. Campbell said, Life has no meaning. Each of us have meaning and we bring it to life. It is a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. Close quote.
And Jung said, As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light of meaning in the darkness of mere being. Close quote. And I, wanna, I know I've done a lot of quotes today, but I hope you see the importance of them. This last one is, Gabriel sums up you know, my points beautifully with this. Meaning-seeking creatures need stories to deal with the unknown and provide guidance as to where we came from and where we are going. Mythology is that constant byproduct of living faith that triggers creativity and acts of interpretation and imagination. Myths are therefore an early solution for the tragic facts of life that are beyond the kin of practical, logical, scientific thought. Close quote. So all I'm saying is, we should consider what myth is for us. Why we have it, why we do it, why our psyche desires it. And then ask ourselves, what myth are you choosing? What are you doing with that myth? Why are you doing it? What is it doing for you? Those type of things. I think that's really important. You know, if staying curious, finding peace, and also just finding a bunch of shit interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, that basically concludes the episode today. As always, I appreciate you all. Much love. And it's time for you to get the fuck out of my life.